Thanks, Benny. The byproduct of working with these youthies. <laughs> um, sorry, I just want to find. Uh, there we go. Okay, sorry, I forgot it. One of my notes. Um, yeah, thanks, guys, for for the opportunity. I spoke with someone in this week that passed, and they told me um, this is not a church they go to, but there's a certain church that um, it's a bit. It's quite different. Um, not really the same stuff we believe. But um, they said that every congregation of this church um, receives the same preach every week. Someone makes a call at the top, and the whole church gets the same preach. And um, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit works with us individually. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to hear. And so I feel so blessed that um, at the 412 conference, um, I really felt the Holy Spirit highlighting something to me um, for our congregation. And and so I would ask that your hearts would be open, because I do believe this is not a random picked scripture, it is for us today. So, um, yeah. So just, um, I would like to begin just to actually, uh, yeah, Benny prayed. I just want to pray for a minute, if, if that's fine. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And Lord, thank you that we love you because you first love us, Lord. And your love is perfect, and your love is enduring, and your your love drives out fear, it drives out sin, and Lord, we can only love because you first loved us. And so, Lord, I ask that you, that you would just work in our hearts this morning. As we, um, as we just yeah, hear something that we may have heard many times in our life, but Lord, that you would show us something new. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, we've been uh, in this specific congregation um, just about almost three years now. And um, I remember just a few months after joining, we ran into someone, and they said to us, they spoke to Alicia and I, and, and obviously we were mad excited about Jesus, and uh, just recently at the time recommitting our lives, and, um, and they said to us, and, they, and, and this, was, this was sincere, I could see it, there was like a smile and excitement saying, it's so amazing to see this youthful excitement that you still have about it, this love that you have for Jesus that you, it's so obvious. And I remember when I was like this, and I just want to tell you guys, keep at it. And I thought to myself, this is, it's a beautiful compliment. Thank you, Jesus, that you are seen in me. But we shouldn't keep at it. We should keep at it. I mean, when did it get lost? And then um, and while I was at, uh, at, the, at this conference, uh, like many of us were, the Holy Spirit dropped us into my heart for our congregation. It might be for one person here today or for five people or for all of us, but he dropped into me um, this message in Revelation 2. Um, and you can open up your eh? um, If I say Liffy to the AV person, it's because it's my wife. Sorry. <laughs> Just by the way, not, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm believing God's going to change hearts this morning. And so... Um, if anyone's taking notes, um, uh, it's called Daylight and Dishes, and I'll explain just now. I don't know if anyone has heard the saying before that um, after honeymoon and ro- what's moonlight and roses comes daylight and dishes, and so I think that a lot of us may be finding us, ourselves in a place where we have gone through the honeymoon phase. It's over now. Now we have the revelation, we have the knowledge, we know Jesus is real, we really believe it, but we've lost that first love. And I believe that is what, um, 
what, what uh, John speaks about in Revelation, but we'll read it just now, but I want to just use this analogy. All of us, well, a while ago when most of us still had a bit of money left in our bank accounts before all this lovely economic situation started, we would go to a restaurant and you would look across and you would see a couple sitting there, and you can see they're definitely not angry at one another, but they definitely are not excited about one another either. Like, they're struggling to find things to talk about, and uh, one, one or both of them have their phones out, and they just... It's just this silence. And most of these people, you would speak to them, and they would be a healthy, well, healthy, relatively healthy, functioning couple, married couple. They have kids that are doing well at school. They have um, good jobs. They have a house that's mostly paid off. Everything's going well in their lives. They don't fight. They just they operate. They are operating, and they are stable, and things are going all right for them. But when you look at them, you can see that there's that... Um, that sparkle is gone. And, um, and that's what John writes about. So I would like for us to read um, a letter in Revelation 2, chapter, uh, um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. This is um, John writing uh, a, a letter, essentially, straight from Jesus to different churches, and in this case, to Ephesus. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. Essentially, Jesus is saying, write this to them. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves prophet and are not, and have found them to be false. And I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And up until this point, if Jesus was saying these words to me as a church leader, I would be the bee's knees. I would like, thank you, Jesus. This is what we're trying. We do our best. And then he says this, but I have this against you. And I don't know about you, but when Jesus looks me in the eyes and says, I have something against you, that's something I want to get out of my life, like right away. He says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you have at first. If you have lost the sparkle in your eye for Jesus, he's holding it against you. Um, And so, He goes on saying, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you had at first. And if not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, and then he goes on to give them another compliment. I think it's called a love sandwich. Um, um, So I can can read it. Um, Yes, um, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, which was a church with bad doctrine. He says, who, he who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And as I was reading, uh, this has never happened before. Or Jesus speaks to you, the Holy Spirit works in your heart, and you have a bit of a moment, and then you go back and you go to the drawing board and you start working on the preach. But I found myself several times throughout this, preparing this in tears, because Jesus convicted me so much, saying, why? Where's your first love gone? Um, you cannot work without love. I, um, I don't know if I should say this, um, but we've been watching The Crown. It's a series. Um, I watched it long ago, and um, I finally got Alicia to watch it with me, finally, now that the Queen has passed, and now there's some relevance to the series. And, I, and as I was watching this, before King George VI died, I, I'm not quoting his words, I'm quoting his character's words. It might be added for our viewing pleasure. But this really caught me. He says to his new son-in-law, who knows that he will one day be the husband of the Queen of England or of the United Kingdom, he says these words, the dukedom isn't your job. The titles are not your job. 
she is the essence of your job, and loving her is the essence of your job. And I was thinking to myself, yo, Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, and if we are doing all the right things, and, and just we're operating because we know what to do, it's, it's the manual, it's right there. In my case, the ESV. <laughs> That's the manual. Why would we, we, we're doing all the right things, but we're not loving Jesus the way we did when we first got saved. And, and this just struck me, loving him is the essence of our job. And we can leave the dukedom and we can leave the titles and we can leave the Christian and the saint and the believer and all the things we love calling ourselves. If we don't love Jesus, we're missing the mark. And what's so profound about this is that um, I think it's in Matthew chapter 5. Um, it's not the Beatitudes. just before that, I think. Um, the salt and the light. And, um, and the words of Jesus are, be the salt of the world and be um, salt of the earth, light of the world. And this is where what John is making, well, what Jesus is making reference here to. He's saying, if you are the light of the world, why would you put it under a basket? You would put it on a stand because you're doing well and you want the world to see the light for the glory of Jesus. And what he's saying here is, remember where you have fallen from. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. I will take away all significance that you have. I will take your power to influence in this world. Everything that I've been doing through you, I'll pick someone else. I've got more than enough people to do it for me. And um, what a, yeah, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm not going to recover this uh, wobbliness in my voice. So forgive me. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like yeah, Jesus really is wanting to. Um, and, it's, and this morning we spoke about repentance. And we cannot love God and not repent. If we really see God, we cannot not repent. Um, yeah, the scripture it says, um, perfect, no, not perfect love. It's the, um, if you love God, you will all these commandments. You, you can't sin if you truly love God. And yes, you'll sin maybe, but if you understand what loving God means, you will step back into, into, the, into the stream of, of God's will. And, and that's what we saw here this morning. It was a beautiful thing to see. And this is a serious message that he's giving to the church. And I just want to say this. Ephesus is, well, you should know this. Ephesus was not some dodgy church, new startup. <laughs> it, was, it was probably one of the main churches in the area. Paul the Apostle before this letter even, way before this letter, Paul the Apostle himself spent three years as the resident elder at this church. I mean, Paul. And now this is a church which only, I think, 20 years later is finding themselves at a place where they're operating out of duty and out of function and not out of love anymore. And, um, and so if the church which Paul led, not to um, idolize Paul, uh, the person, but if the church that Paul received so much direct revelation and inspiration from the Holy Spirit, if that church needs this, I think we need it too. And um, yeah, so married couples, <laughs> just think back a bit. I've, I've been married just under three years now, so I'm not even going to use us as an example. Most of you would uh, argue we're still in the honeymoon phase. Um, so, <laughs> um, but for the couples that have been married longer, and I really hope this is not too contentious, but um, if you just have to think for a moment, what are the things, in fact, um, the husbands will probably be like, I think we're doing pretty, let me ask them, I'll ask the wives, <laughs> what are the things that your husband did for you, um, when, you got, when you were in your honeymoon phase that they aren't doing anymore? I'm sure there's a lot of these things, and... <laughs> um, there's an American preacher named um, Gary Chapman, and for some of you, that will immediately ring a bell. Um, in the year 92, he released a book known as The Five Love Languages, and what a gem for us married people. <laughs> 
because we think that the other person loves what we love. It just makes sense. And then we give them what actually is what we want to get. And what Gary Chapman helped us to understand was that just because you like um, being loved in this way, that's not necessarily how that person wants to be loved. And so the, for those who, who really are unaware, um, the five love languages, which it says is quality time, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And when I was thinking about all of this um, first love, as I was thinking back at Delisha and I, when probably um, when we were still like sort of courting, I realized that there was not a lack of one of these. The rule is that you have a top love language and then maybe in some order. But I realized there was no lack of this. Time, gifts, affirmation, service, touch, everything was there because I wanted to give my everything. Just some examples. Time, I know I had no time. I worked in a retail job when we met for um, at least 12 hours a day. And by the time I was done, I was broken. And then what I did is I went back home. I couldn't afford to buy a takeaway, so I would go eat at home. Um, and then I would go to her, and we would spend time as a group of friends until like 3 a.m. the next morning. And shame, I had good friends because they realized uh, they can't go to bed when they're tired because that means we're all breaking up this group, so the whole group better stay. <laughs> and, so, um, and then I would go home at 3 a.m. Um, just to be back in the office at 7 the next morning or back at work. Um, and that's because I wanted to give her all my time. And the same goes for gifts. All the way down from a, what's the cheapest chocolate out there? Chomp. <laughs> no, I never gave you a chomp. <laughs> But all the way from a chocolate right through finally to her engagement ring. I loved showering her with gifts. I remember she was on a trip to Namibia and she saw a painting, which was a beautiful painting. And she sent me a picture and I truly believe it wasn't a hint. She just shared with me. She wanted me to see what she likes. And she said, how beautiful is this painting? And I made it my life's work before she came back from that trip to go buy something that looks exactly the same. And I had it ready for her when she came. I didn't have money. I don't know how I did it. Um, <laughs> But I, I showered her with gifts, and I showered her with my time. Service, I mean, by no means, uh, let me just say that no one is a damsel in distress. Can I just, like, having just Jesus is perfectly enough. But for some reason, we, I was like, you need that, you need that, I can help you with this. And then you pick your areas where you want to serve, and you serve, because you know that's essentially all. I, I remember the first time she saw a cockroach and was freaked out by it. I was equally freaked out by it. <laughs> I, I stood on a bar stool to get it right here. I had a piece of um, paper towel in my hand, and I just wanted to grab and squash it. And having to stand so high to get it, it was right here in line with my face. And as I went for it, it flew to my face. And you can hear it like... <laughs> and I screamed like a girl. But I faced the fear because I wanted to serve her. Um, <laughs> she would have done a better job. <laughs> And finally, touch. Um, obviously, uh, within reason. So I remember, <laughs> I remember we, we sat in a, in a restaurant in one of those tall booths where, where the backrest is taller than your head. And I, I, I thought, today's my chance. I, I can't use the yawn trick because everyone knows that. So I just want to put my arm around her. And I realized it's so high, I can't put it on the backrest. So I need to do something. So I put my, my arm around her, like her middle here. And, it, and you could see, like, she was super Because now it's like... My arm is like in this awkward place, and you can see she's just like, what are you doing? It's just not even comfortable. But I, I couldn't care less what she felt. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> because I wanted to touch her. I would go look for pieces of lint and fluff on her shoulder because I wanted to touch her. Um, and that was, that was, I needed excuse. And, um, and that's the way that I loved her. Because all of the love language, all the possible options, I had to show her, and not because I felt like I wanted to. I really 
really had to. I had the impulse. I, I had to. I just had to shower with my everything because I knew I was working for her heart. Are we working for Jesus' heart this morning? Are we really working for it? Are we just taking it and, and, and accepting it as a continuous thing that we really just don't have to do anything for? It says we have to work out our salvation daily. We have to love Jesus daily. And so just breaking down the scripture, yes, um, John starts by writing Jesus' words that they have been doing well. It starts with a beautiful acknowledgement. He says, you've worked, you've toiled, you can't bear with it. It's essentially saying that all your doctrine is great. You're doing everything you have to do. You're working hard, long hours. So what are we doing well this morning? We, we, I think we have rocking worship. I, I don't know. What, but what are we doing well? We have, we have so much. We, have, we really do community well in this church. We, uh, we worship like a bomb. We love each other. But he's saying, you're doing all of these things well. He listens and he says, but I cannot leave this place without saying there's a big charge against you. Some translations say a charge, like in a court. And um, yeah, the good news is Jesus does not leave it there. He doesn't say this was the end of it. He says, I'm going to tell you what to do. And how gracious is God that he says, there's always a way out and there's always a way to turn back to me, even in sin and even in your loving. He says, repent from, sorry, remember where you have fallen from. Think about it. Think about where you were at first. He says, then repent and then return. And I'm just saying ours because it's a nice way to remember it. Remember, repent and return. And, um, and he says that everyone who has a tear, I don't know, the only person in the Bible who has an excuse here was the one who had his ear chopped off. All of us who can hear has to do this. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay. And, and, and of course, then it ends with a consequence of not giving ear to the Lord's word. And that is that he will remove us from our place of prominence in serving his church. And so the big question is that if we are doing all these things right, if we are doing everything so well, and we really are staying true to Scripture, and we test those who we allow. I mean, we're not a church that allows random guest preachers just because they have a big name somewhere in, I don't know, Nigeria, on TBN. We're not just allowing people a year to come and preach because they're popular. We, we test people. Um, and, um, and so we test who shares. We test the doctrine. We really serve. We really love. So why? Why? Is it really that important to love? If we're doing everything that Jesus wants, is it really that important? I mean, after all, we often say it's not about the feelings. It's about the, it's about the doing, and the feelings will follow. But loving God is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a choice, and, we, and he shows us how to do it well. Um, yeah, so if you're thinking this morning, and maybe you are legitimately thinking, I really am doing fine. Maybe you are. Maybe you are doing fine. Um, I know you guys are doing. You're like going mull in the front here. The youth is. You guys really are. I, I, just think about it. Why do I love Jesus? Especially I want to speak to anyone who, has, um, who gave their life to Jesus in the past year, I would say. Why do you love Jesus? What excites you about Jesus? And it's exactly those things that need to be exciting us. Not what gives us our mission, but gives us our absolute mission, our, ap- our appetite, our excitement for life. And so I just quickly want to quote, I already um, quoted this, Deuteronomy 6. Um, After giving the Ten Commandments to the the nation of Israel, Moses feels the need to go back in Deuteronomy and say, I've given you these Ten Commandments, but I'm calling this the greatest commandment in Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit on, in your house, when you walk um, by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Of what will you talk? Of your love of Jesus and your love of God. And so, um, and it's amazing, he says, and teach your children to love Jesus well. And um, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, and it's not saying love God with, it's not making a list. It's not just saying you must love him with your heart, with your soul, with your might, and then you've got it. It specifically says with all of those, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. And um, the Lord doesn't want just enough. He doesn't want just enough. He doesn't want us to get by just just enough. He wants us to really get back to our first love. So, this is an interesting take, I realize. <laughs> but um, how does God want to be loved? How do we know how God wants to be loved? And he, he says it in many places. Um, I, th- I made a note, because it just came to me. It, it should have been my key scripture, but it only came to me during worship. Um, yeah, you um, well, it basically says, yeah, if you, if, you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so, so by obeying God's commands, that's just the umbrella factor here. You will do what God has asked you to do if you love him. I am not a father yet, <laughs> but I do know that any father, I've spoken to fathers, especially dealing with youthies um, and, and having some perfectly obedient teenagers, um, I know there's nothing worse. Um, a very little time would, uh, would I see anger as a, as a big deal. Like, yes, you're angry. It's not necessarily the best thing. But what gets me is the disappointment, the hurt in a father's eyes when you see my, my son, my daughter, who I give everything to, and I really just want the best for them. They don't love me. And if they had to say that to their child, they would, they would say, you don't love me. And the child would probably respond saying, of course I love you. You're my dad. And they would say, no, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And, um, and so this morning, I know although God, God's ways are way different from ours, I do think that um, uh, Gary Chapman, he was a, a minister for over 20 years um, at a, a church in the USA, and I really do believe that he, he walked a road with God and that even though these, these um, five love languages were written for couples and for humans, I believe that in this interesting take this morning, I want us to look at these five points on how to love Jesus better. And um, so let's look at it, the five love languages. Quality time, gifts, not affirmation, I'm changing that to adoration, service, and touch. And so I would just like to briefly look at each one of them. And um, I'm going to run through them very quickly, but quality time. Um, I, I recently, I, I must confess, I thought about Chad, so I thought to myself, Jesus, you are quiet. Um, you are, where are you? I can't hear you. I went through a bit of a, uh, uh, it's, it's just been quiet, and there we go, once again on autopilot, because I've got scripture, I've, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do it well, but I'm not, there's no, there's no connection going at this point, and, um, and so I thought to myself, yes, I just want to go chat with Chad and ask him, like, yes, what, what do you do when this happens? And then, almost like the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you hear his voice in my head. Um, and he's like, how's your quiet time going? And I was like, I'm not going to go to you <laughs> because I know that's what you're going to ask me. Rather, rather, I'm just going to take that right now and I'm going to do some hard searching. And I went to my quiet place and I said, Jesus, have I neglected giving you my time? Have, have I neglected giving you every minute that I have? And it's not, um, it didn't have to sit for two hours before going to work in the morning and um, commit your time to Jesus on your 
cushion on your knees and your, you know, that's not what it, yes, God wants your time, He wants you to wait on Him, He wants you to spend quality time worshiping Him and praying to Him, but in your everyday, just walking and talking to Jesus. Um, I think I'm going to be in trouble now because I can't remember what Alicia's top love language is, but I think quality time ranks very high, it's the, the highest, yes. And so we've spoken about this before. And we've spoken about this before, and I was like, but we spend time together. What, what, what more do you want from me? It's like, no, it's the quality. Are, are we really spending time together? And so we recently got a little pack of cards, conversations for bedtime for couples. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome. It's awesome. So it asks you questions, and, and you have to ask. No, 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 that's not like that. Conversation starters. Anyway. So... Um, and it's conversation starters because, yeah, sometimes we need a, a bit of a conduit to, to help us. But, and that really, it, it, it brings up conversation. We really get to know each other. Um, I told this to the youthies, not as an encouragement for certain. There was a study done that there's a, a set of about 37 questions that if you sit with a stranger, hopefully when you're single, sitting with a stranger and you exchange these 37 questions with one another, you ask and answer and ask and answer, that by the time of those 37 strategically asked and answered questions, no matter what the answers, the chances are more than 90% that you will fall in love with that person just because you know these things about them. Do we know Jesus? Do we ask his heart? Um, and that's, you cannot, you cannot not fall in love with God if you, if you know his heart. And he reveals it to us through scripture, and he reveals it to us in our time of prayer. And that is how we give God our time, by getting to know him and allowing him to minister to us. And so we begin to love him. And then this one is so beautiful. Last week we spoke about it, bringing our gifts, bringing our gifts to the altar. I want to say this morning, your gift is not your own. If you're holding back your gift, it's, you're holding back a gift that already belongs to God, and He wants you to bring it. It's beautiful that God gives us something. It's, it's, like, um, it's probably like a parent giving their, their children pocket money for the first time, saying, I'm going to give you something, and I want to see how you spend it. And um, if you're holding on to it, you're not using it right. God wants you to bring it to His house. He wants you to bring it for the edification of this body, because... Um, that's what he gave you for. He says, just the same way, um, I think the scripture, let's read that quickly, Matthew 5, 15, um, that we should let our light shine before others so that they may see it and give glory to God. We are not to put it under a basket as it has no use there. And, um, and in the same way, yeah, we want to edify the body by means of the gifts that Jesus has given us because it never belonged to us in the first place. And just finally on this, Corinthians 14, 26, we see when you come together, and we all know the scripture, but really think about this for a second. Do you sometimes come here with a hymn? Do you come here with a message or a lesson to share? Do you come with a revelation or a tongue or even an interpretation of a tongue? And what do you do with that? If you walk in these doors with a gift and you have not given that gift, it's to the elders to decide whether it's appropriate for that morning because they, they, they do gauge the spirit. But if you are holding on to it, you have not done with it what God has given it to you. And, and I do believe it's like, um, I don't know, wine, biltong, cheese, or some of the things that, according to most people, get better with age. Gifts do not get better with age. It's a fast-moving consumer good. You have to give it and receive and give it and receive. It doesn't get better by holding on to it. Yeah. Um, then words of adoration. I can assure you this morning, God does not need our affirmation. He knows exactly who he is. 
but he loves it when we worship him. We did this this morning. We said, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. He, did, did you know that's why we were created? Um, there's always this crazy existential question that people ask when they go to university. What is the purpose of life? It's not difficult. God created us for his glory. And if what you are doing is not glorifying God, you are missing your purpose on this earth. If you are building your empire, if you are building your, your own little story, you are missing your point. You will die and will have meant nothing. We are here to glorify God. That's the whole purpose of the gospel. Jesus came and died because we sinned. And what is our mission? Because we have now given a second chance. Exactly the same mission that Adam and Eve got, to glorify God. We just got a second chance to do so. And so, are we really showering Jesus with our words of adoration? Are we going to do it for millions of years to come? We're going to sing holy, holy, holy until the end of time, which is never. We might as well do it now. Jesus loves to be adored, and that's how we can love Jesus. And the psalmist, we all know David is probably the best example of this. He just loved sitting in the presence of God. He couldn't, he couldn't say it enough. Psalm 150 um, says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, and praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise, I mean, literally, he couldn't have written praise more times than this in a single verse. But he's showing us that God wants to be praised. God knows who he is, but he wants to hear us worship him. He wants to hear us worship him. God created us for his glory, and that is why we are here. The uh, second last one is acts of service. And that is a great one because this is the one way where we can love Jesus, and, but it's not even directly with Jesus. There are so many things that, that we, we heard preached, like, me and Jesus, we've got a thing going. But this is the one place where undeniably you, it's not just you and Jesus. Jesus wants you to serve the body. That's how you serve Jesus. If you serve the bride, you love the groom. And that's just how it is. Um, it, when we serve him in his church, we are doing what his heart desires. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says, sorry, <laughs> if anyone's questioning my... My reference here, I know Jesus was dead when, when Acts 20, or he was ascended when Acts 20 was written, but he's quoted. And funny enough, this isn't mentioned in any of the Gospels, but he's quoted saying previously, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And a lot like your gift, your service the same. And I can tell you today, someone preaching, someone leading a church has no more value than someone stirring coffee. No more at all. If you bring your gifts to the altar and you bring your service to the altar, God loves that. And that's how you love Jesus. Um, I just want to quickly, there's, a, there's another scripture, Peter, yeah, 1 Peter 4. It says, as each man receives a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that, everything, in, order that in everything God may be glorified in Christ Jesus. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever. Amen. And... Um, it's as simple as that. Loving the bride is loving the groom. You can't get out of that one. It's simple enough. And finally, touch. And I know this is quite an abstract one, thinking about God and how do we touch God. Normally, we are touched by God. Um, but um, we see this in, um, in many portions of the New Testament uh, where Jesus walked the earth. He was always surrounded with big crowds, and it was always hustle and bustle and busy, and, it, and they realized, I have no chance of getting one-on-one -on -one time with this guy. There's something about him, 
And there were several instances where people realized, all I need to do to get the glory of God is just to touch the hem of his garment. I just need to touch him. And what does it mean to touch him? They went to him, they touched him, and they were healed. They touched him, and they were delivered of demons. So why do we want to touch the hem of Jesus' garment? To show our faith in him. Um, If Jesus is your last resort, you're not touching his garment. Um, I often hear, (laughs) and this really grieves me, I often hear people say this, all that's left now to do is to pray and hope that God will sort it out. Why was that not our first prayer? Why, Chad, I felt so bad. I walked into a coffee shop this week, um, and, and he was sitting having coffee with someone in church, and I just mentioned Alicia and I were there together. And, I'm, and she's saying she was, hasn't been feeling well. And I was like, you know, in that moment I realized, yes, um, I haven't prayed for her yet. Wife, she's been taking meds and everything. I haven't prayed for her yet. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for her when I get home. And <laughs> just like, up, up, I've come back here. Let's pray for her now. Why is praying always our last resort? Why is going to Jesus when all else fails? Jesus wants to be our first point of call. For everything, for everything, for healing, for, for uh, if we're sitting, even work. I mean, um, Alicia often tells me she, she's hitting a bit of a writer's block because she writes content for, um, for marketing. And so, so even for work, Jesus, you have placed inside of me this gift, Lord. Can you come through and deliver for me? I need ideas. I need ideas. God, I've got this money. I want to start a business, I wanna, but I want to be faithful with it. I'm not going to consult with all my, yes, I am. But the first thing I want to do is I want to hear from you, God. Can you tell me what to do here? And that's how we touch the hem of Jesus' garment is by going to him and putting our trust in him first. Not going to the, to the, to the, um, to the doctors and doing that. It's going to Jesus first. And yes, God has placed people around us. And the um, priesthood of believers is such a significant thing, and there's wisdom in the council of many. But are we going to Jesus first? He loves being our first port of call. And so I just quickly want to read that scripture, actually, Luke 6. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Sorry, I don't know if I said it. Luke 6, verse 19. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our healer. And he really wants to be our comfort. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to us, to be our comfort. And so um, the last thing I want to say about this is, if I want to say this morning I want to touch Bob, good luck for me. There's no way. The only way I can touch Bob is by being right here, by being right next to him. I can't, I can't touch Jesus if I'm not hearing his heartbeat. I have to be right here, and that's how I'm going to touch the garment of Jesus. I have to be right at his feet. I'm not going to go to him. I'm not going to go back to my, my old ways, and every time I need healing, Go and touch the garment of Jesus and then return back. I want to stay right there where the healing's flowing all the time. And so, um, yeah, that's it for, the, <laughs> for, for Scripture. But this morning, there's something more significant in, um, than just our first love. We, we read... Um, we read that God said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this morning, there's been a theme of repentance in this house. And this morning, I just want us to, to just first, just take a moment and close our eyes and just, and just hear from the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Scripture says that we must remember from where we have fallen in Revelation 2, 